Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is a production of ITM Media. Good day to everyone listening to Rambling About Racing. Whether you're on your regular podcast platform or on Burns Radio, we really do appreciate you joining us. We got Charlie Herkus joining us at all as always, and Austin Reeves is back on the show, going to break down Talladega as well as the Imola Grand Prix for Formula One. And got a special new segment coming up for you guys. So. Stick around towards the end of the show. Not final thoughts, but towards the end of the show, and we'll tell you more about it when it comes to that point. But, gentlemen, how's it going today? It's going good. Hey, yeah, yeah, Austin, how, how's it going since uh, you last came on the show? Been working, done a little bit of racing. Went racing this past weekend, local drag strip, had fun. Nice. Grilled some hamburgers, drank some beer, and now we're here. That's always a good time. And I saw your iRacing setup. I like it. We were going to get you into iRacing here before you know it. Yeah, I've, I've ran a few. I haven't ran any races. I've practiced a little bit, but other than that. Remember this. Huh? Just remember this. If you reckon iRacing is someone else's fault, just remember that. It, it's 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 fun, but it's frustrating at the same time. You'll, you'll uh, see what I mean. It's very frustrating. Yeah, very. You, yeah, you'll see what I mean here after, after one or two races once you race the official series, but... We got Charlie Herc is here. Char- <laughs> okay, for just a disclaimer, folks. Uh, Charlie had a little has a wooden chair that he's sitting on, and every time he moves, it creaks. And if you listen to the last couple of episodes, you could hear the creak on the episode. Austin, am I wrong on this? No, you ain't wrong. No, I'm not wrong. And so you hear the creaks, and now Charlie's moving extra slow in order to prevent that from going on. But Charlie, how's it going, man? How's your weekend? Well, uh... <laughs> Had to work <laughs> all week in. Charlie's such a smart yeah. ass. Uh, he is a smart ass. <laughs> He's just like my family. <laughs> I guess that's who he gets it from. He hangs out with us too much. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, it's going good. Had to work all weekend. Yeah. Uh, so, I had to watch all the races from my phone. Uh, didn't get to watch the F1 race. Uh, got a quick rundown from Austin earlier on my way home. Just going to be ramping up for the races at Kenton this coming weekend and going to bed early tonight. That's about it. Well, thanks for showing up for the show. I know you've been working hard all week, and I'm sure Austin's been working hard too. And, again, Austin, thanks for being on the show. And, yeah, we, we're breaking down Formula 1 in the NASCAR races from Talladega. But before we do that, or as we do in every oh, – uh, so, oh, What's up? So, you know, it's, it's weird, man, Austin on the show because, you know, there's – a little bit of a family feud going on between me and him. You know, he got he got my girlfriend pregnant. Oh no! Here we go again. <laughs> okay, well, tell us the story real quick, Charlie, about how how Austin got his. How- you know, just just when we really like her and I were having an up and down relationship, 
Just when things really start going great between us, Austin gets her pregnant. Okay. Not just with one baby. She's having twins. So, yeah, I mean, homewrecker. You want to trade? No, see, Austin's laughing. I got got one. I don't need three. Trade. Trust me. Austin's Austin's laughing. There's got to be some type of inside joke here. What's going on? Uh Uh-oh. Wait, wait, time out, time out. Wait, wait. All right, guys. Now that sh- has officially hit the fan. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm right here, right here. Can you guys hear Listen, me? So. Sponsored by Bush Light. Oh, yeah. oh no, no, so wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're at the Charlie Herc and Austin Reeves Fritos and Bush Light show. Uh, <laughs> welcome to another great edition of Rambling About Race. Let me see. Wait, wait, if- wait, 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 wait. Can you guys hear me? <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what in the world happened there, but all of a sudden, my- man, there, there's probably a little bit of attitude you're about to have to do, but uh, yeah, I got to do a little yeah, editing right yeah. there, just a little bit, maybe throwing a bleep or two. But wait a minute, now yeah, I- oh, no, there's definitely oh, some bleeps. I, I would say a bleep or two, try 12. Okay, try. <laughs> I must have not heard all that. But wait, wait, wait. Now I got to know the inside joke here. I got to know what, what's this joke? You got no, well, we, you know, we kind of told the story uh, whenever Austin was on before, you know, about uh, it, it, I almost didn't get invited to the wedding, which I couldn't make it to the wedding anyway, but I finally got invited to the wedding and then I couldn't even go because I was out of state and then it wound up. We all get along great now, and, you know, I've put a picture of me and her on Facebook before. Yeah, I remember uh, that. And yeah, trust me, got some phone calls about that one. It's all in all in good fun. So so because of that, Austin got your girlfriend pregnant. So that's the, that's the new running joke. Now, I, as, soon as, as soon as they told me, I sent a picture of a, a DNA, a home DNA test to them, and I said, hey, what's the address I need to send this to? I, I guess I had to be there. I mean, I just kind of like it blew me away. It's like I thought you and uh, what is it, Kes? Kelsey? Kelsey was were doing good. I remember, I remember Caroline's name. Yeah, well, you've known Caroline for like twelve years. I, it's not the point. It's a, okay. Let me let me just put a disclaimer out there right now. Charlie has a revolving door of girls. I just barely. Remember. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I will agree with that. I will agree with that. It seems like every race I go to. Last, just, last year, every race I went to was another girl. Oh, a dang lie. I have dated like three girls in four years. No, you have not. No, he has had three girlfriends okay, in Three, about, three like, girlfriends four in four Okay, let me rephrase here. The past six months, there's been like two different women. Two. Yeah, exactly. There's been two different uh, women okay. over the past six well, months. One one cheated. Okay. And, okay, not my fault. <laughs> Whoa, now, what's she cheat for? It couldn't be your fault. She cheated. Oh, no. no. I mean, I, I was like four states away. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we need to add Dr. Phil into yeah, this. Yeah, we need segment. to get Dr. Phil into this. Anybody oh, do you I, know Dr. I, I Phil? Want, I want Mari. No, no. His show is ending. So. Uh-oh. Got a little bit of noise in the background. What there. is that? Yeah. Damn ducks. <laughs> Anyway, our question of the week, dude. Our question of the week from last week. Charlie, you want to go ahead and tell us what the question of the week was? And also, yeah, so answer it. question of the week last week was, you know, during the uh, broadcast of the races, do we think that the people calling it, like Clint Boyer, all the people, should just call it like it is? We know they try to hype it up. That's what they get paid to do. But do we think the fans would react better if they just call it like it is or – instead of just BSing it because and it really hit me the episode with Chad Canals at Richmond where 
they just hyped it up and hyped it up. And that was a crap race all the way around. And that's where this re- that question really started turning with me. Austin, what do you think? Yeah, I think they hyped it up, uh, especially at the Bristol Dirt Race last week when they were talking about it. It's pouring down rain. You know, Jeff and Dustin were at the race, and I called him. I said, y'all getting wet? And he said, ain't you sprinkling here. He said, yeah. we ain't moved our seats the whole race. And I said, well, the TV, the broadcast are saying it's, it's tsunami down there. I think they hyped it up way too much. I, I kind of saw a little bit of it from Talladega, especially Sunday with Dale Jr. calling it. It seemed like every move everybody made on the track, there was a comment or a whoa or uh, uh, or, or something like that. And my, You just don't like Dale Jr. No, that's not it. But I feel like it was – Caroline has – they call she calls them onomatopoeias. And it seems like every time somebody made a move or somebody did something, which was exciting, the commentators would go, whoa, and, and do something like – Along those they'd, lines, they'd be over dramatic about it. There's over dramatic, and there, there's, a simple move from the low lane to the high lane, you, you would think they were flipping upside down. Right. I, I I noticed that, and I'm sure everybody else noticed that too. Heaven forbid, but heaven forbid anybody says anything bad about the broadcast today, especially with Dale Earnhardt Jr. on. I mean, there's no. I bet there. I haven't heard one bad thing about the commentating. Whereas the past three, four weeks, I dare say since Daytona. I've heard nothing but bad things about the commentary. The commentating, the broadcast stinks, and now all of a sudden Dale Jr. comes back, and it's just the best thing since sliced bread. I didn't listen to any of the broadcast today or the commentating. All I did was get to watch the race. I had the volume turned all the way down and everything. Jr. did a good job, but it was just the same as any other race. I don't know why they keep bringing in these guest commentators. Is it better to watch the race like that with the volume turned down? Sometimes it is with the commentators. And I'm talking NBC and Fox Sports right yeah. there because I feel like they do hype up to a point where it's like you're trying to sell it like a wrestling, a pro wrestling show when they should just call it like Charlie's point with the question that he phrased last week. Just call the race. Yeah. Even my uncle brought it up. I mean, at the Bristol Dirt Track, or it wasn't at Bristol, it was the week before Bristol. Somebody took two tires. And it's like, oh, what strategy they're doing? What strategy? It's like, what, the guy taking four tires isn't doing strategy as well? I think they just try to sell it up to the point where it's it shouldn't be sold up. And I think they do it for more of the new fans than the older fans. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People my age, they really don't know a lot about racing. They haven't seen the old racing like y'all watched when y'all were kids and I watched when I was a kid. They don't, I agree. They're hyping it up and making them, I wouldn't say brainwashing them, but they're making them think that is this big, glorious deal when really it's just a simple task. But when it's something exciting on the track that happens towards the end of the lap where somebody gets loose or does something and the commentators get excited, yeah, I could see that because it's organic. Yeah, and, but, it, the, but the way they play up the rest of the race, it takes away from when something exciting actually does happen. Right, and, and we saw it at Talladega, and I'm sure both of you watched the race except for Charlie, who didn't listen to commentating. I'm sure Austin watched the race this past Sunday with Dale Jr. in there. It was a, kind of the same thing. They were Clint Boyer and Jr. were getting excited about going from the high to the low lane, which is an exciting move at Talladega. But at the same time, it, sh- it shouldn't be broadcasted as this was a crazy move towards the end of the race when we see that a lot of plate tracks. Yeah, and then they'd say risk versus reward about 100 times when someone would do a move like that. 
or hey, who's your dancing partner and who's this, who's that, and, and we'll get more to that in the race. But I mean, I feel like it's kind of like that. They're calling it like a pro wrestling event, vice a race, and it's tough to do because there comes a point in every race where it's just kind of follow the leader. Everybody just ticking down laps until another pit stop or caution comes out or something like that. So you got to fill the time somehow. So it's kind of it's kind of a catch twenty two if you think about it. I mean, I'd rather hear them shout and get over dramatic than than be boring about it. I guess. And I and I kind of would too, but shout at something that's worth shouting at instead of just shouting at something for the sake of shouting. Right. Which is easier said than done, I'm sure. They just need to let us run the next race. We'll mediate, commentate the next race. I think we do a good job. Follow us up to Dover, do a good job. Or if I get the president's job at Richmond, you guys can be the track commentators. I don't know if you want me commentating a race. Well, you're the do, you, do you want us a case of beer in or sober commentating? Cause case of beer. <laughs> what level of excitement shall we bring? I mean, a case of beer. Do you want people at the TV shaking their TV because we're doing it so good? Because that's two cases. Okay, I can afford two cases of beer for a good commentating crew at the track. But hey, hey, that was our question of the week. Let us know what you think using hashtag what you think ITM. And I know Austin kind of filled Charlie in for the F1 race. You guys are ready to get into the Formula One race from Imola? Sure, let's get it. Charlie, before we continue on with this great episode and fun that we're having here on the show, I wanted to remind everyone out there and tell everyone about there, if this is their first time listening to a show, about our online store at Teespring and Bonfire, where you can find the latest and greatest rambling about racing gear, such as t-shirts, hoodies, hats. I'm wearing my rambling about racing t-shirt that I got on Bonfire and so much more on both sites. And not if you can't find it and you want it, Tell us about it, and we'll make it up for you, just for you, so you can buy it from us. And to tell everybody, whether you're at the local store track there at South Alabama Speedway, or at the tracks such as Daytona, Talladega, Long Beach Grand Prix, or the Australian Grand Prix for Formula One, that you are a fan and listener of Rambling About Racing and Charlie this month of April, what will be our discount code? Yeah, so month of April is a special month, of course, so, you know, Easter. Easter's a big holiday in the month of April. So we're going to go with Easter as our discount code very, this month. Very nice. And for that discount code, you're going to get 10% off of your order at Teespring and Bonfire. Links will be in the podcast description below or at our website, ramblingaboutracing.com. Go check it out. And remember, Easter for 10% off of your order from now till the end of April. The Formula One race from Imola was, it started off wet, ended dry. It was a Red Bull dominated race. And Charlie, you called it. Verstappen getting his second win of the season. So now he's 50%. Either he finishes or he doesn't. Or he doesn't. Either, either, yeah, either he wins or he doesn't finish. Or he doesn't finish at all. Now, just, just right off the bat here, with it being a season long point standing as far as. I mean, is that conducive to a good standing in the victory, or is that kind of will that end up hurting Verstappen there in the long run? Because he's still in second place with fifty nine points against Charles Leclerc, Charles Leclerc, who has eighty six points after following the Italian Grand Prix. Yeah, it's it's still gonna hurt him. I mean, F one's the way their point structure is. I, I still think F one is all about consistency. Verstappen proved that last year. Yes, Hamilton had some wins, but Verstappen, he ran up front, led a bunch of laps all year long, all season long last year. 
and wound up taking a championship home. I think that, yes, he's got two wins. He's going to have to start finishing races. He can't just fall out, come back the next week, and win. Uh, the win's the only thing keeping him in. Yeah, what do you think, Austin? Do you think uh, Verstappen's on a – is it a bad start to the season, or is he doing exactly what he needs to do? Well, today was the first actual full race I got to watch. But you can't win a race and then break and not finish the next race and then come back and run decent. Like, you got to keep the consistency alive, top five, top three, podium here, a win here. If he keeps doing that, then he should finish out strong. Yeah, because you look at Leclerc, he's the same thing. Two podiums. I mean, he's got the same amount of podiums as what Verstappen has, but he's also like 30-something points ahead. But that's because he's been finishing in the points every time and not dropping out. Yeah, consistency is key. As long as you keep finish on a lead lap and have no DNFs, you, you normally you normally have a fighting chance come the end of the season. Right. And, and two things happened this this weekend I want to bring up to you. One, Austin or and Charlie, for that matter, did you guys watch the sprint race? No. And if anybody doesn't know out there, and Austin kind of looked at me like, what's a, what's the sprint race? A sprint race, they do their normal three-round qualifying, and it sets the fields for the sprint race. And then from there, they run a sprint race. And I wish Preston was here. He could have explained it a lot better. But the sprint race will set the field, the final. It's a kind of a heat race to set the final qualifying order. But it will also award the drivers points. I think the top five drivers get points. If I'm not mistaken, I'll double check that here. But did any of you catch that? No, I didn't. So it's almost like getting a stage win in in NASCAR. It's almost like getting a stage win in NASCAR. So the spring qualifying works like this. It's a shortened version of the Grand Prix. It's one-third the number of the laps of the Sunday main event. And the top eight drivers get points. So first we'll get eighth all the way down to eighth gets one point. And Max Verstappen won that race, thus landing him on the pole. He ran the fastest lap, so he got he had an additional championship point, and he won the race, so he gets 25 points. So that's maximum points for the weekend. Now, what do you guys think about that? Because last year it was really neat to see that, and now that they're implementing it again this season. I don't know if you, any of you have opinions on it. It's For me, it, it adds a, a certain level of redemption. If you do bad in the regular qualifying, you have a chance to make up for it. Or you might have a bad run and go from a top five qualifying position all the way back to the pack of the grid. So what do you guys think about that? Is it a way to gain more points or to improve your starting position? And and that's, I think, one of the debates here because you do get points if you're in the top eight. Even if one point could add up throughout the course of the season, and they don't do these every races. There's only a few of them they're going to do. They did one here. They're going to do one July 9th at the Austrian Grand Prix, and uh, November 12th for the Brazilian Grand Grand Prix. So there's only three of them scheduled for this season. But at one point or that eight points, if you run well enough, if you're for Sapphire or Leclerc, can make a difference at the end of the season when it comes to the championship being awarded. I like the idea just to bring a little bit of excitement into F1, to be honest with you, because this whole race was green flag the whole way for the most part uh, for Stephen. There was lap from what I heard. There, there um, was one safety car, and that was because Carlos Sainz got hit into the rubble and got stuck, and there was a safety car at the start of the race. But that was about it. And then eventually the race went from dr- wet conditions with the intermediate tires into the dry conditions. So 
Everybody got the dry racing line and was able to race. There was talk of rain coming, but it never did. So, I mean, it, it manifested itself. It wasn't just a regular status quo Formula One race. There was strategy that needed to be played. When can we come on off of intermediates onto the slick tires? This is for the whole field, correct? This, this sprint race? Yeah, this is for the whole field. So, you do okay. your well, normal. Here, yeah. Here's my only thing that I would add to it I wouldn't determine what track ahead of time. I would make it random. I wouldn't give the teams a head up, heads up. Like a like a pot quiz in school. Uh, just about. Just, <clears throat> just yeah. unload your shit. Hey, by the way, we're going to have a sprint race today. I, I think that will add a bit of a flair to the weekend, but at the same time, if you guys were a race team in Formula 1, wouldn't you want to know ahead of time, hey, we should start preparing for a sprint race, or would you be okay with the fact that we could be off? I mean, as long as they let them know the day of, I, I think they'll be good. Or like yeah. the night the night before. Yeah, don't don't come. But don't don't plan it, don't plan it on the schedule is what I'm saying. Okay, I can yeah, see that. I but I mean, if if that were the case, how would you, if you were the FIA running Formula One and you were calling the shots of when the sprint races would be, when would you be the ideal place to do it? Would it be at the start of the season, mid season, in in season? Would there be three sprint races in the row? Would there be two? I mean, you don't have to use all three, I assume. But how would you? Run it, Jerry. Maybe have one. I'd say two towards the middle, one towards the end, but not at the very end, so to speak. Not towards the last three or four races. One, maybe five races to go, something like that. Maybe, maybe four races to go, but definitely right. not in the last two or three. Yeah, not, not yeah, yeah, nothing like that. Okay, okay. I, I can no. see that happening, but then, yeah, I mean. That's a good question of the week. Maybe next week. I got another one here scheduled up for this week, but yeah, that's. A, I mean, that's a good point. You gentlemen bring up good points about the sprint racing. I, I'm a fan of it. I, I I like it. I think it has, like I said, a different a layer of excitement to the weekend. And plus, if you're a race fan there, you're pretty much getting two races for the price of one. I mean, one's one-third the distance, but at the same time, you still get to watch a good Formula One race for points in the same weekend. I like the idea of it, but I could see your guys' points on when to schedule it and when to throw it onto the teams. But I want to ask you guys this, and I know Austin watched the race, and I know Austin's more of a newer Formula One fan, and is not used to this, but Lewis Hamilton, what's the deal with Lewis Hamilton? One podium this year, and he's just not running like Lewis Hamilton is expected to run. I'm going to start off with Charlie here. Lewis Hamilton finished 13th, one lap down today. What do you think is going on with Lewis Hamilton? Is it the new car? Is it the fact that he has seven championships? He has nothing else to prove? He's already got over 100 Grand Prix wins. You know, I, I don't think it's nothing to do with, oh, well, I don't have anything else to prove. You're under contract. You're getting paid to do a job. You're getting paid to go out there to win races. So you best go out there and give it your all. You you can say that it's the car, but the other Mercedes car ha- has ran fairly decent in, in multiple races. Yeah, George Russell and the other Mercedes finished fourth today. Yeah, I, I just think it's... The wind has been taken out of his cell. I mean, he's used to running up front all the time, just dominating. And now this this car has kind of equaled the playing field out a little bit. He just can't go out there and walk the dog on everybody. And he's like, oh, man, what's going on? Like, why why isn't Formula One just allowing me to win all the time? So do you, do you think it's more of him or his crew, like driver versus crew? Or No, I don't think it's nothing to do with the crew. I think, it, I think it's all in him. I think yeah, I, I think the car has to do with it as well, but I think it's also a mindset on him that 
It's uh, not. It's not being handed to him. And he's it's not. It's not. It. It's not as easy to get right. as it once was. And it is. It is eating him up right now. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen it the past years, but I know he started back back then, and then had some trouble on pit road, and it's just like he never. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I don't know if he couldn't get around somebody, but he just, once he got in 13th, he just rode the rest of the race. This is what I saw. I, I don't feel, I mean, I'm a big cheer, I'm the biggest cheerleader against Lewis Hamilton. Anybody but Lewis Hamilton won in the race. And now that we're getting that, it's weird. It's almost like this isn't right because I don't feel like Lewis Hamilton has ever been handed the race. I feel like his crew, Total Wolf, Mercedes, and, and everybody has dotted the I's and crossed the T's every race for the past three or four seasons, and now all of a sudden the introduction of this new Formula One car has come out, and some people are adapting to it well, like Haas and Ferrari and Red Bulls right back up where they are running one and two with Verstappen and Sergio Perez, but now... One driver in the Mercedes, George Russell, who's new to that seat, is doing very well. And then you have Lewis Hamilton, a seven-time champion, all of a sudden running 13th. And that happened. That was an anomaly back in the day. And now all of a sudden it's happening more and more. Is it the driver or is it the car? I think that's really the big question coming out of this weekend in Imola. It's a little different than NASCAR. You got the same crew working on both cars. Same crew doing the pit stops. Everything. I, I go back to the driver on this one. I'm sorry. I think he's in a rut, and it's a, it's a mindset, and he goes in there expecting not to run any better than the last race. Been there, done that. I get it. It sucks. I mean, heck, I ain't finished the race this year yet either. Right, and, and it could be very much something communication-wise, but we're not used to seeing – we're used to seeing Lewis Hamilton by this point in the season, five, four or five races into the season – have a consistent finish of maybe third or better. He's finishing on the podium, if not winning the race. He's got an average finish of 7.5 to this point in the season, which is, and then Charlie, I know, and I know Preston out there and all the Formula One fans listening out there, regardless if you're a Lewis Hamilton fan or not, that's not the way you, that's not what you expected out of Mercedes as well as Lewis Hamilton this early in the season. No, it's, it's absolutely not. Especially when his teammate seems to be running just fine or, or adapting to the new car just fine. There's something not clicking there, be it the team and the driver, the driver and the car. It's definitely not the car and the team, or else his teammate wouldn't be running as well as he is. So it, there, there's something somewhere that didn't pick up where they left off last year. 
And if they don't figure it out soon, he's going to be so far behind on points that he's not going to catch up. Yeah, I think if it was a team thing, both cars would be finishing the rear, not just right. one one finishing 13 will lap down, the other one finishing fourth. Unless, and this is just hypothetical right now, Mercedes is putting their stock into George Russell knowing that he's a future Mercedes and not giving Lewis Hamilton what he should have because maybe they know something we don't like. He's retiring at the end of the season. We're not going to put a lot of stock into him. That would be like 2311 putting their stock in Kurt Busch and not Bubba Wallace when we all know Bubba Wallace is the poster boy of NASCAR. But at the same time, I could think see it, Thinking that Wallace is going to retire before Kurt Busch does. That's that's my comparison and my opinion to it. I, I just don't see them putting all their stock into him over Hamilton uh, when Hamilton has made no inclinations on retiring and Austin doesn't know what a mute button is. <laughs> no, I, um, I see your point, though. Yeah, that, that's I don't know. That's just my comparison on that. I, I don't think they're putting all their stock in him. Like I said, there's just something not – there's just not something firing. That, yeah. yeah, that would be like people at, at, at the same time about them saying they put all their stock in Kyle Larson at Hendrick, but yet all the Hendrick cars are running good. Sure, does Chase Elliott have a win? No, but he's also leading the points. Right. Regardless yeah. if he doesn't have a win or not, he's leading the points because he's running more consistent than the other three. Yep. So if we're if we're comparing it there, that's that's my opinion. So. No, and I like that opinion because if you look at it like that, then you kind of, then you see the it might not be Lewis Hamilton, it might not be the team, but there's something in there that's didn't carry over from the 2021 season into the 2022 season that George Russell picked up on very quickly, and Lewis Hamilton is just not. It might turn around here towards the end of the season, and might turn around towards. The midway point, but it's got to happen sooner rather than later for Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes to have a shot at another constructors championship and another drivers world championship for Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, no doubt. Something's got to turn around pretty quick, or yep. it's going to be the Red Bull and Ferrari, Ferrari show. show. Yeah, very much so. But Austin, how how do you enjoy the race? How 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 do you enjoy actually the first time watching a Formula One race from lights out to checker flag? I, I mean, I enjoyed it. He was. Green flag the whole way, except on lap one, they had the wreck. But I, I kind of enjoyed it. It was pretty fun to watch. I think NASCAR should try a race where they just start from a dead stop. Oh, gosh. That, that, and then, and then the, rest of, the rest of the time, it's a rolling start. But their first time is a line them up, drop the green flag, go. That would be so much sports. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about. I don't know if that would work out well. They wouldn't. Not at all. Or see that bad things happening with that chart. I mean, that, would like, be, that would be like a coyote race at Kinston. Just go. They do that anyway. <laughs> Cockroaches like lean turn on. Man. I mean, that might be another question in the week later on. But the Xfinity race from Talladega, gentlemen, I take it both of you watched the race. Yeah. First impressions, first of all, on the entire weekend of NASCAR at Talladega. Too much hype on the three car and Larry McReynolds. Oh, man. I, we, we said that last episode that okay. we thought there was going to be a lot of that going into it. So, first of all, did, the, did Jeffrey Earnhardt cash in on the hype and did the expectations of that race weekend that he had with Larry McReynolds and RCR in the three car, did Jeffrey Earnhardt and Larry McReynolds meet those expectations? I think everybody expecting them to go out and win the race. He sat on the pole, but I think if he'd have won the race, it, everybody's dream would have came true because it was number three back with RCR, 
with Larry McReynolds calling the shots. I mean, the fact that he finished second at Talladega has to speak for something, though, right? Yeah, because I, I don't think Jeffrey's finished a, a race that good in a while, hasn't he? Not in NASCAR. Yeah. No, and he's been in some good equipment. He's been yeah. in Gibbs equipment. So, and let's face it, guys, this is a super speedway where just about anybody can do anything. Anybody can win. Any Anybody. And I've already seen posts today where freaking Austin Dillon finished second. Oh, it's just a good weekend for the three cars finished in second, both races. Like, guys, look, nope, nobody was as big a Dale Earnhardt fan as me. And I was a big Dale Jr. fan. But dang, stop trying to hype stuff up now because of the past. The sport, is, is, it the same, is it the same now as what it was? No. It wasn't even the same now as it was five years ago. No, and, and, and it never will be. 23 years and, ago. And a lot of the drivers now will never be what they used to be back in the day. Nor will the drivers back then be what a lot of the drivers are now. It, it's a different breed. It's a different culture. The drivers are younger now than what they were back in the day racing. And enough's enough. I mean, it's the same thing every year at the same tracks. And I'm not bashing on Dell Sr. I'm not bashing on Dell Jr. I'm not at all. And I hope nobody that's, uh, that listens to this or is listening takes this in, in that way at all because it's not meant that way. But we can't be comparing apples to oranges. We can't be hyping races up now because of who used to race them in the past or who used to drive a certain number in the past uh, is, I guess, who how I should say, or who used to crew chief a certain number in the past, which wasn't even in that particular series in the past, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think they were looking like a Cinderella story, or a, I wouldn't say an underdog story, but more like a Cinderella story coming back with the three. And I've brought this up several times on this show, that Dale Earnhardt seems to be, that, that, that when he died at the Daytona 500, that seems to be the end of NASCAR history. Most of the documentaries I, I see, I shouldn't say all of them, end on February 18th, 2001. That's when everything in NASCAR changed as far as the mindset, I feel, of NASCAR. Now, seeing the three back on the track with Larry McReynolds, I, I'm to Charlie's point, I agree with him 100%. I feel like it was a publicity stunt. Because if it wasn't a publicity stunt, Richard Childress would have slid Jeffrey Earnhardt a contract, say, drive to three car for Richard Childress in the Xfinity Series full-time, and let's see what you could do out there. You're absolutely correct. Nor would they have started talking about it at the beginning and mid-race last week. I agree to that. I mean, they hyped this up, and they put a lot of pressure, I feel, on Jeffrey. Instead of just going out there seeing what he could do, if he would have just brought him on, I think it would have been talked about, but not to the point where it's like this is a one-time deal with Larry McReynolds doing what Larry McReynolds does, and that's being a crew chief. But I feel like if he really legitimately wanted to make this a story that people could stick with, he would have done it following the 2021 season, signed him for the three-car in the Xfinity Series, and have him race full-time. Because now what's Jeffrey Earnhardt going to do? That was a flash-in-the-pan moment for Jeffrey. And now what? I guess sit at home. Yeah, watch it on watch watch the races on TV until yeah I NASCAR feel, needs some more publicity ratings. I feel like it was a a tease from the part of Richard Childress for that driver who wants to make it, and I think a lot of it has to do with his last name being the grandson of Dale Earnhardt, and being uh, the last name Earnhardt comes with a certain level of expectation. Whether you're no, at, 
at a track, a play track like Daytona and Talladega or, or any other track. It comes with a level of expectation. Dale Jr. held that la- expectation until he retired and never really met it, in my opinion. No, and, and you know, one thing about Jr. is, if you know, while we're on this subject, is I, I will say that I've heard multiple people say and that has met Jr. and everything that has always said he never really tried or, you know, walked around like he was ever going to try to live up to that reputation either. And I think that's why you see him in such a big role outside the driver's seat uh, more so than you ever did or will see him inside the driver's seat. You know, back on the Larry McReynolds side of stuff, I was so happy when Daryl Walshup left the booth. And I hate to say this, but I'm about ready to see Larry McReynolds go. It's past time. And I, I like Mike Joy, too, but he's a good commentator. But I think Adam Alexander that calls the Xfinity races, I think it's time for him to get bumped on up to the Cup Series. And uh, Larry McReynolds, is, it's about time for him to retire out of the broadcasting. He is not America's crew chief. He has never not once ever come crew chief to race for me. So I don't know where they get the America's crew chief from because not once has he ever come set my car up for a damn thing. If that was the case, I might be finishing some races or something. I, I don't know. But we, got, we we got the next best thing. We got Roy Hessner, peanut picker from Alabama. We we got the dang helicopter mechanic, tractor mechanic, farmer, prior service, Roy Hester working on our stuff. And a roofer as a spotter. Well, so he's used to, he's used to heights. I feel like we're kind of bleeding over into two separate issues here. Because, for one, I have no problem with Larry McReynolds. I think he knows the sport. He knows the cars. He knows how to explain it to the point where... There, if you're there's your, a lot of guys they could get in there that yeah. knows the cars. So. But what's so bad about Larry McReynolds doing what Larry... I mean, he's been doing it since 2001. Since I've been a part and, and a fan of the sport, there's always been a Larry McReynolds. And, and if you followed the sport prior to 2001, there's always been a Larry McReynolds on the box. It's... it's for the longest time, with a rich history of races and racers that he's raced with, with okay. such names as Davey Well, if that's Allison. the case, then there, you know, for for a lot of people that's always followed the sport, there's always been a Larry McReynolds and Earnhardt, and we can't sit here and complain about what they tried to do Saturday. That's two separate issues. I feel. I, I feel like we're comparing. The Larry McReynolds as a broadcaster, a, a crew chief, technical broadcaster. Throwing him into a position, and we've all—I think we can all agree—it is a publicity stunt from the point of Richard Childress and what he did at Talladega this past weekend with Jeffrey Earnhardt, and saying that because of that publicity stunt, Larry McReynolds is no longer valuable as far as a commentator. Yeah, I didn't like him as a commentator before, but I, I, still or like I, I was losing interest in him as a commentator before all this, but. This this did not help his draft value, if if you want to use that term. Okay, so you're saying his stock has dipped even more because of this, what he did at Talladega with Richard Childress and Earnhardt. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, especially since he, he, he hyped himself up for this one. He's like, well, I never said I retired. I took a sabbatical. No, you retired. You ain't been on a box how many years? You, you retired. You retired long enough to have another job and retire from it too, okay? Yeah. Like you retired. Well, I mean, I, to me, I feel like we can all agree that it was a publicity stunt. I think 
Richard Childress did this for the point of bringing more eyes to the Xfinity Series, more eyes to his team, and having a one-time deal with Jeffrey Earnhardt to run at Talladega in the three-car with the name Earnhardt. But I don't think that took away from the race overall. The race overall was a good race, and kudos to Charlie for calling it. Noah Gregson winning it. Now, granted, Justin Allgaier ran out of fuel on the final restart, which was such a bummer. I feel bad for Justin Allgaier on that one. Yeah, Allgaier needed a big pick-me-up, and it was looking looking like he was going to get that pick-me-up, but super, super quick thinking for him to realize what was happening and move to the top to get out of the way so not to cause the caution. I totally agree with you there because I, I don't think it would have mattered anyway with the position where he was on the track. He couldn't just dip down the pit road. But going back to originally how we said, because I know we talked about and we snowballed him with the Jeffrey Earnhardt thing and just Larry McReynolds retiring and stuff. But you, you, did you guys, how do you guys find the race? Did you find it exciting? Did you find it okay? How do you guys rate the race as far as overall at Talladega for the Xfinity? To, to me, plate races are not exciting until like the last stage with like 10 to go because that's when people are going to start making their moves overall it wasn't the best race i've ever seen but it was a decent race all right charlie what about you the xfinity race wasn't bad there's definitely been better xfinity races on plate tracks but overall they didn't single file out too badly during the race which is what we typically see so for them to stay double file a lot of the race uh, that part meant a lot to me and Decent racing, for the most part, when there was a caution, surprisingly did not gather up a bunch of cars. So I I don't know that we've really seen a big one in the Xfinity race. Not not that I recall, unless I missed one on my my phone while I was trying to work in and watch it. But other than that, I, I thought it was... Thought it was a decent race. Yeah, there was really no big ones in both the Cup and Xfinity race to speak of. There was a few collisions there that took up a, cu- a few cars, but not the twelve to fourteen to nineteen cars that we nor- that we typically see at Daytona and Talladega when it comes to accidents. We we didn't really see that this weekend, and that kind of surprised me on both races. I don't know what it was, but yeah, it just didn't seem like it was a big one. Which is I'm okay with, especially at play tracks. If you take out a bunch of competitors, I feel like that hinders the rest of the race, especially early on. Yeah, I think most of the costumes for the Xfinity class were like two cars or one car, and I think the max was in a caution was three or four. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just a if you were in the wrong place at the wrong time, it wasn't like somebody got spun in front of the field and it took out twenty cars. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm quite okay with that. But yeah, I, no doubt, but thought I, it was pretty good, pretty I, good there on that end. But I was expecting Junior Motorsports to have a better run than they did. Yeah, Justin Allgaier ran out of fuel, which was unfortunate. And Sam Mayer got caught up in an accident and finished 28th. Well, honestly, I think their I think their best running car was on the receiving end of something not their fault, and that was Josh Berry. I, I think Josh Berry probably had the strongest of the four Junior Motorsports cars. Uh, yes, Noah won it. Congratulations to him. It, it pays to get to control the field and be at the right 
right place at right time. Kudos to Allgaier, like I said, for that heads up move whenever he realized he, you know, running out of fuel. But I, I definitely thought Barry probably had the fastest car until he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he still ended up finishing 11th in that race with, again, another junior motorsports driver winning at a plate track. So junior motorsports, again, flexing its muscles there at the plate track with Noah Gregson winning. Charlie, you called it. Congratulations on that. And must feel good. So far, I'm two for two uh, for my races this weekend. Yep, you are. And But then we get to the cup race. Now, the cup race, to me, gentlemen, was more exciting than the Xfinity race. And I'm going to start off with you, Austin. How do you feel about the cup race? I, I enjoyed it. Not a lot of single fire racing, a lot of double lanes. I, I truly enjoyed it. And, Charlie, what do you feel? How do you feel about the this past weekend at Talladega? Same thing. We've seen especially towards the end there, we've seen some of the tandem racing try to take effect, but they really could not leave the rest of the field. Yes, you could push, but it's not like back in, what was it, 06, 07, 08, somewhere along in there, where you just push, 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 and you could just leave everybody else. You could to maybe clear and get down a lane or whatever, but the rest of everybody was coming for you. Yeah, you, and, you could you couldn't open up a six seven gap six seven second gap on everybody and just stay there with two cars. No, um, it, it was that part is good. Yes, you, you could tandem race, which is fine, but it was only for a a short burst of momentum, if that makes sense. It does, and I, I caught a little bit of that too. I think that a lot of that happened at the end of the race when everybody was when it was around three laps to go and everybody was trying to get up in position to possibly pass the leader on the final lap. But I mean, to me, it was good, solid racing. We saw for one part of the race, and it was at the start of the race, granted, that all 38 cars were in a one pack less than a second separating each other, which I was hoping to see all through the race. But due to accidents and engines blowing up, mainly from Richard Childress Racing... We, we saw the breakup of the pack and eventually got down to a core group of drivers, about 20 drivers in a pack going for the win. You know, I feel like they need to do something with the uh, this diffuser or whatever you want to call it up underneath the back of the cars all for restricted plate tracks. Because if you're that last car on the draft, one little bobble and you're screwed. Like you're, you're losing the draft and everything. Uh, just because of how the air comes out from underneath these new cars. Well, is that a product of the diffuser, or is that a product of the tall spoiler in the back of the car? <laughs> no, I think it's a product of the diffuser. From what I was seeing them try to explain and stuff like that, I think it's the diffuser. Austin, what are your takes on that? Do you think it's a diffuser yeah. problem, or is it a spoiler problem? I think it's diffuser more than spoiler. And let's be fair to that. Because they were talking about how the air comes from underneath the car, not over the back of the car. Yeah. That's true, and this is a whole totally different setup that NASCAR has brought to the table as far as this. And this is only, let's be fair here, the second time that we've seen this besides Daytona at a a super speedway track like this. I mean, you could kind of count in Atlanta, but I don't really count Atlanta as, as a super speedway. But this is the second time we've seen this, and we're getting ready to go towards Daytona here towards the end of the year, towards the regular season finale. I mean, do you think NASCAR trims down the diffuser, takes away a fin or two? or What do you guys think the solution is to that problem? They might do something about it, and they might not. I'm thinking they're not going to touch the car until 2023. 
And then at that point, they gathered enough data from all the tracks from this first race at Daytona all the way to the last race at Phoenix. And then we could, they could say during the offseason, let's make these changes in order to make this racing better or that racing better. A good example would be short tracks, and to Charlie's point, possibly super speed rate racing. I think if they're going to do anything, they shorten the spoiler a little bit to see if that helps mess with the air coming. And like I said, I, I don't get to see wind tunnel stuff. You know, I don't get to see the data, the uh, up force, down force, all that kind of stuff. But you got to do something. You either got to take away from the diffuser. Or you're going to have to take away from that spoiler. Even if you take away from the middle of the spoiler a little bit to allow the air to flow over and maybe down the backside of that car a little. So to upset the air or to disrupt the air or whatever coming from up underneath and by that diffuser. So like I said, I'm not an engineer. I used to be. I'm not anymore. I don't do that for a living. But, yeah, I've been out of the game too long. Right, and, and I'm not even going to pretend to explain to you exactly what the solution is. I thought it was good racing overall. I mean, I think the only problem the NASCAR has right now is the short track package, and that's a whole solution in its own, and I think that has to deal with more tires than it does have to deal with the aerodynamics of the car. But, I mean, I don't know. I thought it was good racing, especially, I mean, I'm glad for one, and my dad brought this up too, I'm just glad we didn't see a green-white checkered finish. I'm glad we saw the last 30 laps run out green flag. I, I was happy about that. I'm sure everybody else was, too. We saw an exciting finish. They came down to the line. I think Kyle Larson moved up and hit Kurt Busch, which sent him into the wall and sent a lot of other drivers careening into the wall, too. Took away a lot of good drivers for his aggressiveness. Now, I don't know if that was a spotter error or that was just him saying, it's checkers or wreckers. There's a finish line. I'm going to go for it. I mean, I, I was expecting Eric Jones to pull off the upset victory, but no, Ross Chastain scores his second win of the season. Now you got to put Ross Chastain into that championship talk, I feel. What do you guys think? I go back to everybody's talking about track hour racing. Well, this is a Cinderella, Cinderella story. You know, like this is their first year. This might be the first year under track house racing, but as an organization and the people working for this organization, this isn't their first year. Like they, they bought Ganassi Racing. They were track house racing in the 2021 season. They started off in the 2021 season, and then they acquired Ganassi's Racing as far as a merger of the charters and stuff, and started the second team with Ross Chastain. But this so is they've a- done so they've done nothing but like, pick up a lot of experience and all that. So I, I get it. But let's not overhype this like we're already doing the races, I guess. Right, like Trackhouse was here, and then they bought Ganassi, and then they're here, so they're here. They're not down here. They're they're up. They're just working every week, figuring it out. I think, it's not a Cinderella story. It's, it's hard work and dedication, I feel like, to the trade. And I feel like now Trackhouse, in their second season, has shown that they can win races. I mean, Daniel Suarez has yet to win a cup race. But I feel like now Ross Chastain has all the momentum behind him, and now Trackhouse Racing is a true championship contender. It's probably where, uh, season. probably where Kyle Busch goes next year. That's another story for another thing because we'll, we'll, I'll tell you what, we'll get more into Kyle Busch here because he made some comments today I want to get – or this past weekend that I want to get y'all's opinion I on. I know. I sent you the comments. But seriously, I mean, Trackhouse Racing – 
I mean, yeah, I get it. It's a restrictor play track, and Austin said it earlier in the show that anybody can win a restrictor play track. Right, but it'd be different if Ross Chastain wasn't running up front consistently every week. But he is, and track house racing is. I mean, I mean, I think Daniel Suarez is running into a stream of bad luck here. Kind of started at Coda, but prior to that, he's been running top fives, top tens, and all of a sudden, after Coda and him winning that stage, he's just been. Bad luck's been finding him. Can't get the monkey off his back. No, he can't. And and I feel bad for Daniel Suarez. I like Daniel Suarez. I still got I got a freaking silver back on me. But, I mean, that happens throughout racing, as Charlie knows and Austin knows. And, I mean, I've been following the sport long enough to know that once you get that grill on your back, you can't get him off. But I think Trackhouse Racing proved today at Talladega that they are a championship contender. Ross Chastain is the number one driver of that organization and that they can go all the way to Phoenix and contend for a championship if not win the whole thing this season and be the upset driver that wins the championship this season. But I agree did, with that. But did anything else surprise you guys throughout the weekend? And then we'll get into the Kyle Busch comments that he made this past weekend. Anything else surprise you guys? Because I thought it, I thought for sure Eric Jones was going to win. Ended up finishing six. I would have loved to have seen that 43 car in the victory lane again. Last time that was in victory lane was Daytona with Eric Amarola in a range-oriented race, I believe. I, I, think, I think Jones would have won it if he didn't get so much far out because that allowed yep, that Larson to get a run. I think if he'd have tapped the brakes a little bit, backed up to Larson's front bumper, I think I think he'd have won it. I think so as well, or else he would have made it. It would have made it interesting coming down to the line, I feel, but. What about you, Charlie? Anything else surprise you over the weekend? No. Overall, it's pretty much what we would expect from last lap stuff at Talladega, to be honest with you. So, honestly surprised that the cup race did not go to green-white checkout. I'm surprised it finished under green conditions. I'm glad under, it did. Very glad under, that it did. Under regular races. All right. Again, Ross Chastain won. Congratulations to Ross. I'm very happy with that organization and... I think uh, we're looking forward to Dover here. We'll get more into our Dover preview as the show goes on. But I got this clip of Kyle Busch's comments here, and it's a minute long. It's a minute, 22 seconds long. And this is from Noah Lewis, who is a NASCAR reporter there. And I want you guys to listen to it, and then we'll dive deep into it, because I think he says some things that's kind of a jab at Joe Gibbs Racing. But we'll, we'll dissect it. There ain't no doubt that it's a jab at, at Joe Gibbs. Yeah, it's... Man, that, that was some brutal comments. We'll let you guys listen to it out there if you haven't listened to it already. And then we'll break, Austin, Charlie, and I will break it down for you. Let me start the time frame for when you want your plans to be decided for next year. Yesterday. You're getting antsy about it? <laughs> I'm not getting antsy about it. If it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. Goodbye. So, goodbye is an option? Ask Joe Gibbs. Have you been knocking on his door about it? Not my problem. Is it their problem then, right? <laughs> got to sell it. If you don't sell it, then nothing to sell or nothing to have. So it's all about the sponsor. Correct. That's got to be frustrating, though, in this day and age. Mm, yeah. Truck series is probably 95% kids with money. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that yes. if you don't get anything from kids, that there'll be somebody else out there that will land at? Probably not. Well, they're not going to let you go. They, they'll figure out something, won't they? Ask Joe Gibbs. Would you retire rather than leave JGR? Really? I mean, what are we well, doing? You just, well, you just said to Bob, probably not. So I just want to clarify that. I don't want that to be mistaken. I would say I lost my ride. 
All right, a lot to break down there. We're going to start off with Charlie because I know he's got a loaded loaded cannon right here. He's ready to fire it. What initial thoughts on those comments right there? Because I feel like, again, <laughs> he's <laughs> smart ass. Nah, honestly, though, he's is he, yes. Is he yes, right or wrong? He is, but he's he's not wrong. I mean, right, okay. let's face it, he's not wrong. We all know Eminem's and all of them are leaving this year. So interstate leaving them too. I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything inter, about interstate. interstate has been with Gibbs since for, the beginning. Since the beginning of Joe Gibbs racing. Yes. So we all know Joe Gibbs has probably got stock in interstate batteries, and that's why they've been there for so long. Let's face it. Same way Ganassi had stock in Target, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not a fan of Kyle Busch, but I got to agree with him, man. You got to sell it. And he, boy, was he spot on with the truck series comment. 90% of those kids are freaking just little punks with daddy and mommy's money. And that's the problem with the motor racing sport period. They have made it so freaking, and I'm not even going to try to get into it, too bad because this could be a whole episode period. They have made it to where as long as you got a little bit of money, you can go racing and you can buy top-notch stuff and you can get out there and and try to compete and have zero talent and just buy yourself a ride rather than people with decent talent or good talent who have no deep pockets or whatever that nobody knows who they are because their mom and daddy were nobodies or whoever can't get a damn thing because little Johnny's mom and daddy's just buying his way up through the freaking series. I, I could get, I, boy, I could get, I could get fired up about this. Uh, I, I, I can kidding. agree with you um, 10%. And Kyle Bush is right on, right on spot with that one. Do I think somebody would pick Kyle Bush up if, if Joe Gibbs let him go? Yes. FedEx has been with Denny Hamlin forever. Uh, M&M's has been with Kyle Busch forever, but we haven't heard any rumors about FedEx leaving Hamlin. We haven't heard any rumors about anybody leaving Christopher Bell, and we haven't heard anything about Bass Pro Shops uh, leaving Martin Truex. So right now, the only one on the hot seat is Kyle Busch, which is stupid because he's the only one other than Martin Truex in that stable that has a championship under their belt. And he's won a race this year, and Hamlin's won a race this year. The other two have not. So I hate to say it, but fine, I'll address the elephant in the room. We all said, is Hamlin going to be the first one to go? And they, they paid away for the little prick Gibbs boy to come up. Uh, are we thinking Bush, Kyle Bush may be the first one to go? Uh, dang, what, two-time champion go? And little Gibbs boy take his spot? So Kyle Bush has got to be thinking it. You can't sit here and tell me that he's not thinking it at this point. We all know it ain't going to be long before Little Gibbs is in the cup race or the cup ride for his grandpa. Yeah, but I think it's way too early for Ty Gibbs to move up into that seat. Personally, I feel like he needs another year or two to develop in the Xfinity Series, see what he does, and then move up to the Cup Series. Now, I am with Charlie. I was expecting Denny Hamlin to be the first to go there, but now Kyle Busch is in the position where I feel like he's putting it all on Joe Gibbs. He's saying that, this isn't up to me. This is up to Joe Gibbs, whether I come back in 2023 or not. And it doesn't sound like it's it's a Joe Gibbs racing issue. It sounds like it's a sponsor issue. And I think if I were a big company and I was going to come into the sport for the first time or if I'm already an established sponsor in the sport, then I wouldn't want to go to an established driver and organization like Joe Gibbs Racing and Kyle Busch, who we know that can win races, compete for championships, 
does he have a little hot temper? Yeah, he's tough to reel in at times, times, but I feel like that's a good quality to have in a driver to a point. But do you guys think he's putting it too squarely on Joe Gibbs saying if I don't have a if I lost my ride and I don't have a ride by the time this season ends, which I think somebody will pick him up by 2023. It might not be the ride he wants, but I feel like Kyle Busch is a good enough driver where you could take a C team and bump it up to a B plus A minus team. Kind of like what we're seeing with his brother Kurt in 2311. Or do you feel like it's Kyle Bush just kind of being selfish at this point, saying, I want a good sponsor attached to my name and race still with Joe Gibbs with that sponsor? I think he's putting it on Gibbs. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that it's Kyle Bush as a whole. You know, do we think Kyle Bush probably said his terms and is probably stuck in those terms? Yeah, same way as a lot of NFL players or something like that probably say, well, if I ain't get, you know, if I don't get $260 million in this three year contract, I ain't going to play another down for this team or whatever. It may be some of those same terms, but I don't think you really have to promote Kyle Bush as a driver. When you say NASCAR, the people will know who Kyle Bush is. I think it's a matter of, does Gibbs want to keep Kyle Busch? And that's a good question, too, you bring up right there, Charlie. Could this be the out for Joe Gibbs Racing and Kyle Busch? I mean, it very well could be because he has definitely said some stuff between last year and this year. But at the same time, it's the same Kyle Busch we've always seen. It's just NASCAR's gotten a whole lot more sensitive with today's sensitive culture. Yeah, I know, uh, I know the incident and what you're referring to right there at Martinsville. Yes. And I hate to tell you, I almost would say that's why M&M's is backing out. I would almost say that's why he's losing sponsors. But until this point, who else has remembered that incident? It happened so fast towards the end of the season. Yeah, there ain't, ain't nobody else said nothing else about that incident. And, and I, so, I, I even forgot about that incident until you brought it up, and then it re, re, I realized what you were talking about. Yeah. So I feel like it is. Uh, which one are you talking about? Because I'm, I'm still. He, he, all right, so he, he said re- on, on TV, and so he had to go to sensitive, sensitivity training yeah, okay. through NASCAR. But because Haley Deegan did the same thing. And during iRacing, she went to sensitivity training, but nobody brings up that. And she's got a ride through who knows how long in the truck series with Stuart Haas Racing. There is a big difference between Haley Deegan and. And Kyle Busch, though. I mean, nobody remembers either of those incidences, yet the hypothesis is right now that that's the reason why Mars is backing out, M&M's is backing out for the sponsorship in 2023, which I don't think anybody saw coming. But is that the real reason? I mean, or, or is do you guys think there's more behind the scenes that we just don't know about what's going on with Joe Gibbs Racing and Kyle I think, Bush? I think Gibbs told him to back out at the end of the season until he fires Bush because of sponsorship issues. And then they bring Gibbs, little Gibbs prick up. And then all of a sudden, Eminem's is back in the game of his sponsor. But, but why would they get rid of Bush beforehand? I'm just kidding. That was complete, like, oblivious theory. But, yeah, I mean, but that's a good point, though. Why would they get rid of a established driver, a two-time champion for Joe Gibbs Racing and Kyle Busch, who's been with Joe Gibbs Racing since 2008, for an up-and-comer who we have no idea how he'll do in the Cup Series? Well, blood's thicker than water. And money talks, I get that. I mean, do you really think Mars and 
M&Ms would back out just because of that? No, I'm, I was just kidding. I was just like throwing wet paper or like a noodle against the wall to see if it stick to the cabinet see if it was done. You bring up a good point that could possibly be the root cause of what's going on with Kyle Busch and Joe Gibbs racing. Yeah, I mean, now do I think Gibbs actually told them to back out? Absolutely not. No, I, mean, I don't think so. It, this, this sport has become majority about money. Like, who can pay the most so my cars can make it to the track and stuff like that? Right. And Joe Gibbs so, is good with that. Yeah, I think Bush's attitude has definitely played a role in that, and some of the stuff or some of the things that he has said has played a role in that. But at the same time, he's been there more consistent and more, I don't want to say more successful, but definitely more consistent driver. Even in this year, he's he's their most consistent driver. And he's the one that's worried about not having a ride at the end of the year. So, I mean, I can tell you one place he won't end up, and that's Hendrick. Uh, you know, that ship sailed. Man, I'm not going to lie. If he does lose his ride this year, I dare say he ends up at either RCR or Trackhouse. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he'd go anywhere else. I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's tough proposition, and we heard the retirement word come up, and I don't think – the only thing that I feel like Kyle Busch needs he to ain't, put, He ain't he, ready to retire, man. He ain't going nowhere. He's not because I feel like he needs that. They don't There's no way that Kyle Busch retires before his brother, Kurt. Mm, no. no, I agree with you there. And Kurt is – looking at retirement here pretty soon, but I feel like the way he's running, I, I, I dare say he could go another five, six years and, and do well in the sport. We, we could spend a lot more time on this right now, but I feel, I just feel like took yeah, the Yeah, because ball. I, I, you know, speaking of Kurt, Kurt's coming to a brand new team for the most part. He's the veteran on the team. I really feel, you know, Kurt, Kurt's going to get some win behind his sales. Maybe not this year, uh, which he's already, you know, the better performer this year, period. You know, I think next year he. I think you see a little bit more from from Kurt, and you see because he didn't perform the best his first year at Ganassi, but the next year, you know, is when he you know won some a race or two or whatever for Ganassi. So I, you know, I I think next year twenty three eleven and Kurt Busch, not Noose Wallace, is when you see Kurt Busch really shine. Yeah, and Kurt Busch has done a good job. I we said. Towards the end of last year's season of Rambling About Racing, when he goes to 2311 Racing, it's going to do one of two things. One, it's going to expose 2311 of having bad equipment, which clearly they don't. Or two, it's going to expose Bubba Wallace as not being able to compete in that equipment. And we're not even, we're just a little past, I think, a quarter of the way of the season. And now we're starting to see it come to fruition. I think we're going to have to wait till halfway to run down all the stats from this year into that into this point from last year to see exactly what's going on. But yeah, I think Kurt Busch has plenty of time left in his cells, plenty of fuel left in the tank in order to win and compete well for the next four or five seasons, however long he wants to participate in the Cup Series because he has really nothing else to prove. Daytona 500 champ, 2004 champion, Kurt Busch, I think is going to be up there. But I, I think that's a good hypothesis of where he might go. I think Toyota has a lot of time and money invested into Kyle Busch that let him go to a Chevy or to a Ford team. I think maybe Hamlin opens up a third car of 2311. Possible. Just no, I just thought about something. RFK. That's that's what I was going to say. Or, Get rid of Chris Busher and bring uh, him in. 
and not saying Chris Buescher is bad. I think Chris Buescher no. has some positive points, especially now with the new RFK racing. But I think RFK as a whole isn't living up to the expectations that we expected them to have. And yes, we know that they had that 100-point penalty earlier in the season. And I was expecting them to run better than they did. Granted, that Busher got caught up in an accident. That wasn't his fault at Talladega. And Keselowski was just caught twice speeding on pit road and couldn't rebound from that. I think Roush Fenway Keselowski racing has yet to find that it factor that makes them all gel right. Because I was expecting them to do better this past weekend at Talladega. Especially when they won both the duels at Daytona. Yeah, and I think that was the big thing, too. They ran well Daytona, and we know Daytona and Talladega are two different tracks, but same concept when it comes to right. racing it's there. Still plate racing. Right. Anyway, we, we can go hours and hours into what happened there. Gentlemen, I'm going to leave it up to you guys. We're going to start off with Charlie. Race of the weekend for this weekend for Formula 1 in the, in the NASCAR races at Talladega. I'm going to go with the cup race. I feel like they worked out some kinks. As far as the drafting and stuff like that goes, definitely a lot more aggressive bump drafting and pushing. We didn't see the green-white checker. You know, they ran a clean finish until the last little bit there. You know, I like the Xfinity finish. Don't get me wrong. The the cup race, I, I feel, was pretty good overall. Pretty good racing. They single-filed out for a little while, but as soon as they bumped up, these cars proved that they can run two and even at sometimes get three lines going. So I'm going to go with the cup race. All right, Austin, what about you? Race of the weekend. Cup race. Uh, the senior race was good, three overtimes. But the cup race, you know, normally is stage one and stage two. Single fire racing and the stage three with about 10 to go, they break up. So I'm going to have to go with cup race. I'd have to agree with you guys. The cup series race, I think, did it for me only because we didn't see a typical green-white checkered finish at the end. We saw 30, 40 laps of green flag racing, a few pit stops here and there, and then just a checkers or wreckers mentality towards the finish. I, I think everybody, for the most part, all weekend long at at Talladega kept it clean. We didn't see the big one as we're accustomed to seeing at Daytona and Talladega. The cup race was good. Unexpected winner there on the final lap. I think overall the race weekend was good for not only NASCAR, but for Formula One as well. But we saw, I think, just a great action at Talladega that, for one, you didn't expect to see as far as not having the big one for two, the strategy played in there. And it's Talladega. It's tough to be Talladega, regardless of who you are. That was Talladega. Now we're going to get into this weekend's races at the Dover International Raceway for the Xfinity and the Cup Series. And then we also have the Indy Grand Prix of Alabama here in Birmingham this weekend. And first things first, expectations for the races for this weekend for Xfinity Cup and IndyCar race there at the Birmingham Grand Prix. Charlie, going to start with you. What do you expect to see this weekend out of the drivers at the Monster Mile? I've always been a huge fan of Dover. It's a different track, concrete track all the way around. It's a big track for a concrete track. I'm expecting good racing. I, you know, I don't think you'll see a lot different from the Xfinity side, but I really think the Cup Series race is going to be a good race. Like I said, you know, you've seen good racing from the Cup Series side already. This is going to be the first full concrete track that these cars have been at, and it's going to be a mile track. I, I think we're going to see a great race. I really do. Uh, I think the IndyCar race from Birmingham will be a, a decent race. Uh, I know the Rick and Bubba show had a couple of IndyCar teams actually out there in their parking lot. They got to 
go out there, change tires, do pit stops, all that kind of stuff. So pretty interesting to listen to that. It's going to be interesting. I, I you know, I like IndyCar on circle tracks more than I do road courses. I agree with you there. At the same time, I, you know, I like Cup Series racing on road courses because it changes it up from their common circle track stuff. So. I don't know. Miss a match there. I, I think it's going to be uh, overall good weekend of racing, but I do believe that being that it is Dover this weekend, it's going to outweigh the IndyCar race in Birmingham. I'd have to agree with you there. Unfortunately, I wish IndyCar had a little more grip as far as the fan base when it comes to drawing in fans from there. But Austin, what do you expect to see this weekend out of Dover and the Grand Prix of Alabama there for the IndyCar series? Uh, I just want to see good racing. I think Xfinity race... It's going to be a normal extended race, good hard racing. I hope the Dover race is great. I know we expected short track races to be good this year, and they weren't. I hope it holds up to everybody's expectation on it. And as far as any car, I hope it's good racing too. Yeah, I, I hope so too, and I, I'm hoping that – the Alabama Grand Prix isn't like the highlight of the schedule, of course, for IndyCar, but it, it has produced some decent racing in the past few years. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see one thing, though, with this new Gen 7 car at Dover. Will the tires hold up to it? I know we've seen tire issues in the past, in the past maybe first five or six races of the season. We now had a concrete track with as fast as speeds as they run. With it being concrete, I'm curious to see how the tires will hold up throughout the course of a run. And I know Charlie's a big proponent of it's the setup of the tire. It's the camber caster of the tire itself since it's independent rear suspension. We haven't seen any issues at road courses, short tracks, or super speedways. The only place we've seen issues at is mile and a half tracks. Now we're going to a high speed, high banked mile concrete track. I'm just curious to see if the tires will hold up. I guess we'll see. I mean, we will have to wait and see on that. The schedule for this weekend's races, Saturday, April 30th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on FS1. You're going to catch your Xfinity race on there. Sunday, May 1st at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on FS1 as well. You're going to catch the Dover race for the Cup Series and for the Alabama Grand Prix sun- Sunday, May 1st at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NBC. Race winners for the Xfinity Cup and IndyCar Series. Austin, I'm going to start off with you. Xfinity, I'd say no, Gregson, but I just I just feel like Ty Gibbs is going to win it for some, some reason. All right, low-hanging fruit there. What about the Cup Series? I think Bowman's going to get it done again this year. All right. Have to go with Alex Bowman. And I don't know if you know much about the IndyCar series or the lineup there, but what about the IndyCar series? I don't have a clue. I know Jimmy Johnson runs in it, but I don't. I don't think he'll. But that's a pick, Jimmy Johnson. All right, that's good enough for me, Charlie. What about you? Xfinity Cup and IndyCar race winners. Castro Nevis gets it done for uh, for IndyCar. I'm gonna say, even though he didn't finish. I'm going to say Allgaier takes a lot of momentum into Dover. And if I'm not mistaken, he's won at Dover before. I, I think Allgaier gets it done at Dover this weekend for the Xfinity race. Um, I know Junior Motorsports has ran good at Dover before. And I'm going to say for the Cup Series that Elliott gets his first win of the series, or first win of the season. All right, solid picks right there. I, I, I applaud you for not saying a Team Penske driver. I pulled the lineup up on my phone. Okay, well, I appreciate you doing that, man. That, that was good. I, I like Helio Castor-Navis. For the IndyCar race, I'm going to have to pick Roman Grosjean. He's been having a great run this season, and I think Roman Grosjean gets it done. Why would he run? He's got a car he could drive. Okay, 
He's been driving well this season, so I think Roman Grosjean gets it done. Jeez, Charlie. Man, I didn't interrupt you and your picks. Josh Berry gets it done in the Xfinity Series at Dover. And for the Cup Series, I'm thinking Martin Truex Jr. gets it done. You know, that's where Truex got his first ever Cup Series win yep. was uh, Dover. So, uh, very possible he gets his first win of the season this year I, at Dover. So, Yep, I think that's where he gets it done. That was with DEI, wasn't it? Or was that DEI or was that with... Uh, that was with DEI. Yeah, thought it was in the one car, the Bass yeah. Pro Shop one car. Yeah, yeah, that that was a long time ago. I think that was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, something like yeah. that. So yeah, I think Truex gets it done this weekend for the Cup Series. But anything else, gentlemen, before we get into the final thoughts here, I was gonna do this. I was gonna do this, and I think we're gonna do it on future episodes before. Or once we get everything squared away with this, but I did my first time. Or I did. I, I've done it before, but I've done my first time in a while using DraftKings to bet on the race, and I won six dollars from it. And, and now, granted, I've only won six dollars after five races that I did, and I was expecting to win a lot more because you know, once you put in money, you expect to win the fifty thousand dollar jackpot, and I didn't. I rebought its entry fee. I think I did pretty well here, but what we're going to do here later on in the show and later on in the future, given that we're going to record Tuesdays and Wednesdays at the latest from now on, we're going to give you kind of a fantasy lineup. We're going to read, Charlie's going to read off the fantasy picks that he's going to pick or that he thinks you should pick for NASCAR fantasy for the, like say the rambling about racing league. And I'm going to give you the DraftKings lineup because I gave someone the line another lineup and they won twenty bucks. Wait, 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 hang on. Yeah, I'm not giving you my picks. No, I didn't say you're giving us your picks. You're just going to say who you are going to be on the lookout for. Oh yeah, well, I'm going to give you the worst people there is. Well, you could, but then why would I give you like the bet? Because it doesn't matter. We could pick the same lineup though. It doesn't matter. Well, I'm going to go with whoever. Z Cleve 7's picking. Yeah, Z Cleve 7 was looking very good this past weekend. And we'll get more into that in our final thoughts. But that's kind of where we're going to go at here. Okay, well, then we'll say this, Charlie. Instead of reading the fantasy NASCAR picks on NASCAR.com, I'll read them the DraftKings picks and who they should pick for DraftKings. Does that sound better? Yeah, yeah, because I'm not reading off who I think I should think everybody should pick for their league fantasy. I'm leading yeah, the crap. Why, why should I give away? Why? <laughs> You know, I mean, next cut lot race, we'll go to the cut lot besides and show them our books. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey guys, this is what this is how my shocks are built, and this is the spring ratios I'm running, and this is how much this, gas we this put is, in shocks. Yeah, this this is the top fuel I'm running, and how this is the cross that I'm running. You know, what about the chain you're running that keeps breaking? It's not the chain that breaks, you jerk. Well, then what is it that breaks? I don't know, I haven't figured that part out yet. They don't even have an idle arm. Well, it does have an idle arm, but the idle arm doesn't break. I, I don't know. Hopefully, we got it fixed because I replaced all that <laughs> crap, okay? We're getting way off topic here, okay? Y'all, we're okay. going back to what's supposed to be said at the beginning of the show. Good point here, Charlie. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get into our final thoughts, but that's kind of be the future layout here. We'll work that out, but either way, later on in the future, let's just say follow us on social media. You'll see my DraftKings picks and who I think We'll give you the best chance to maybe win some money through DraftKings. But, gentlemen, anything else before we get into our final thoughts here? No, sir. Okay. 
Before we wrap up today's episode, I wanted to remind everyone out there about our partnership with Fanatics. Fanatics is a proud sponsor of Burns Radio, which we here at Ramblin' About Racing are a proud affiliate with. Fanatics, you can find all your latest and greatest NASCAR skiers to get you ready for this coming up season, such as t-shirts, hoodies, hats, diecast, and so much more. But you don't only have to stop in there and buy NASCAR gear. I get all my latest and greatest Washington Capitals gear from there. Yeah, not only do you get hockey gear and stuff like that, I go in there, where I get all my Alabama Crimson Tide gear. Yeah, that's right. Roll Tide, man. It's a one-stop shop for all your sports gear needs, no matter what sports you're interested in. All purchases help out. Burns Radio bring you latest and greatest content and keep us on the air to bring you guys that content through the radio. If you head over to ramblingaboutracing.com under our Partners tab, there you will find the link to Fanatics. Take you right there. Go do your shopping there for this upcoming racing season or for whatever sports you want. Go check them out. White flag, white flag, white flag. One lap to go. One lap right here. All right, final thoughts here, wrapping it up on this week's episode of Rambling About Racing. Thanks for everybody who showed up and listened to this episode again. Really do appreciate it. Numbers are starting to tick up more and more, gentlemen, so it's kind of exciting time here for the show. More people are starting to discover it, I feel. Hopefully sticking around for it. It's because of my Easter story. That Easter story was a good one, Charlie, and I'm sure. <laughs> every, and I know everybody else appreciated it, but Charlie, I'm going to leave it up to you. Do you want to read off the fantasy standings? Yeah, I'll, I'll read them off, and then you got question of the week. So, Yep, I got the question of the week this week. So, Charlie, go ahead right. with the fantasy so, standings. So, going into our rambling about racing, fantasy league standings in NASCAR, uh, somehow or another, after this horrible weekend at Talladega, I wound up still holding the lead with 1,822 points. Matt Camper is second with 1,734. Esplades is third with an even 1,700. Fourth is SMR Operations with 1,669. Our One of our hosts here, Matt, is moved into the top five finally. I told you I'm going to catch you by the all-star break. Yeah. I mean, you're in the top five now with 1,649. Uh, SMR R&D is sixth with 1,612. B9-3 is seventh with 1,607. Eighth, Chevrolet has now passed Toyota with Super Sumo 32, 1,577. Toyota dropped a spot to ninth with Summers Racing and 1,540. Ford still trailing the manufacturer's leading with Smoke and Woody in 10th. 1,448,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,
in the NASCAR and Winston Cup Series. So I, I just found that pretty interesting. For this week's question of the week, I, I do have to ask you this. And with all the stuff and the complaints that we kind of brought up with the Gen 7 car to this point of the season, back in 2007, a year before they introduced the car to Mario Kart, that being NASCAR, they ran it at a few select races such as Bristol, Talladega, and a few other courses to get kind of a feel of it for the drivers. Do you guys feel that NASCAR should have done the same thing with the Gen 7 car prior to them releasing it this season? Or it's okay the way it is? I, I say. No, no, don't answer it. Because we'll answer it next week. Question of the week. Yeah, the question of the week. Should NASCAR have ran a select few races last season for the Gen 7 car to prepare it for this season like they did in 2007 with the car tomorrow? Gentlemen, that will do it for the show Appreciate your time showing up here on a Sunday night racing kind of just because of this or doing the show kind of because of the schedule here that's coming up here this week. But gentlemen, anything else before we wrap it up here this week? No, I'm good, man. All right, Austin, thank you again for being on the show. Really do appreciate it. Looking forward to iRacing with you eventually here. So that's going to be a lot of fun, I feel, coming up here soon with you, me, and Charlie racing. And we might even start a team and enter it in the Erska series. And I think we could do a three-car team and enter in there and actually have a shot of competing in the Erska series. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But again, one more time, gentlemen, anything else before we wrap it up here? I'm good. Okay. Well, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here on this episode of Rambling About Racing. Thank you again so much for tuning in to us this week. Whether you're on your regular podcast platform or Burns Radio, really do appreciate it. Shout out to our partners here at the show, Stand Up to Cancer and Fanatics, for all they do for Rambling About Racing as well as Burns Radio. Make sure to head over to ramblingaboutracing.com for the links to all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube for the latest and greatest from the world of auto racing. And to answer that question of the week, for Charlie Herkers, Chuck8384, Austin Reeves, I'm Matt Beamer, mbeamer22 on Twitter. Stay safe, and we'll see you after Dover. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.